Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio. And here we have uh, Tim Grady, my co-host. And by the way, it's now eight years we're doing this. And uh, Anthony Nieves from the Institute of Supply Management, the services report and with a startling, startling number. So why don't we just get to it? Tim, why don't you get, get up first? Thanks very much, Lou. I'm always excited when Anthony comes on the show from the Institute for Supply Management. You can find that, them at ismworld.org, where you can find these reports as well. This live broadcast is to chat with Anthony about the services sector and how it's doing. And Anthony, it seems to be booming. Most definitely. We set some all-time highs again this month. If we look back, we know that we hit all-time highs in July, but certainly it just keeps going strong in this expansionary territory for the services sector. We're now looking at a 17th month trend here for the services. PMI came in at 66.7, up 4.8 percentage points, setting another all-time high, uh, bettering what we had back in July. Anthony, I see that the average, the 12-month average is 61.1. That, would that be an all-time high average as well? Absolutely. It's just uh, some incredible numbers. And what we attribute this to is if we look at the four indexes that make up the uh, composite index, look at uh, business activity at 69.8, up 7.5 percentage points a very uh, strong number, another all-time high. New orders, 69.7, up 6.2 percentage points. The lagging index uh, of the composite is the employment, still growing month over month, but it's down 1.4 percentage points to 51.6. And then we see deliveries continuing to slow. Supplier deliveries reading at 75.7, that's up 6.9 percentage points. So we have this somewhat of a perfect storm here when you look at it. Uh, strong demand, supply disruption, supply chain disruption, capacity constraints, uh, labor resource challenges, and this appetite that we're seeing from both the consumer and the commercial side, all contributing to uh, what we see as some strong growth this month. Our respondents have told us um, that they're really having trouble um, pulling product through the supply chain. And one of their uh, method, the methodology behind their, uh, what they're doing is seeing if they can accelerate their orders, which we know they can't, but increasing the frequency as well as the quantity to help maybe pull forward uh, some, some different orders in there to offset what we're seeing in the supply chain disruption. You know, I heard uh, several days ago, Matt uh, uh, Yellen, uh, Secretary of the Treasury, come out with a, a comment, which kind of makes me confused about all these numbers that come out. She said, quote, we have a strong economy, but fragile. What does that mean? Does that mean that all the numbers that we're seeing all of a sudden could go boom? And we have another Florida condominium crash. Uh, I don't get it. Well, I think that uh, in, I really would struggle trying to interpret her thought process on that. Sure. I, I would think that uh, from my perspective, 
the, what we would have to look out for is the fact that, all right, we have this disruption in the supply chain. We had pent up demand prior to that. We know demand is exceeding supply. We don't have labor resources. Inventories can't be replenished fast enough. We have all this backlog, most evident at the port. We see the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach uh, backed up over two weeks with 100 ships offshore. What's going to happen when the demand wanes? Uh, what's going to happen? Uh, one of two things, either the economy overheats or we look back to the pandemic when we had a shortage on the shelves and everyone was panic buying and then it dissipated like it seemed overnight. So what's going to happen to the economy if all of a sudden the demand, the demand just wanes uh, quickly, or I shouldn't say wanes, but just falls off the cliff. But another, uh, another point uh, to your point, about the ships offshore, uh, you say there's a hundred ships. If you go to a website called marinetraffic.com, uh, they will show you a globe in real time of all the ships that are in the oceans throughout the world. There have to be tens of thousands. And this, thank goodness, it, we're not, we don't have any goods in the Suez Canal because I'm not sure there's so many boats there. I don't think there's any water. <laughs> so it, there are literally tens of thousands of ships around the world that are just backed up. Anthony, and couple, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Tim. I was going to just ask you uh, not to step on Lou's point because it's a, it's a powerful point and we certainly would encourage people to go to that website and check it out. I wonder if you could walk us through the major sectors, maybe the top six, who are performing well but are in pain. And I'm particularly interested in retail because we are now in the holiday buying season. And as Lou pointed out, the goods are still bobbing around on the ocean. Well, when you look at the industry performance, all 18 industries reflected growth last month. So there isn't an industry out there that's contracting right now. They're all in expansionary territory. And what's really hurting as far as on the inventory side, uh, to your point, it's, it's not just the, the retail side of things, but throughout food service accommodations, all the different industries are impacted by this inventory challenge about getting deliveries quicker. Um, if you look at not just the port congestion, and what, what causes that, not the 100 ships that are offshore. Why are those 100 ships offshore? If you look at the two ports out here on the West Coast, they accommodate over 30% of the total uh, imported goods that come into the country. There's definitely a challenge. They've had the longshoremen working multiple shifts, but there's not enough warehouse people. There's not enough space for the containers. The cranes can only move so fast. Uh, there's not enough racks for the containers. There's not enough trucks or truck drivers. So this has been an ongoing challenge even before uh, the situation that we're experiencing today. We've had a shortage of truck drivers for well over a decade. And the same thing when we look at uh, the equipment out there, uh, I think the ports just were not ready to handle this kind of volume and bottleneck. And it's just trickling down throughout the supply, supply chain. It starts upstream on the manufacturing side and you know, besides the logistics challenges, we know we have the labor resource issue, which is not only evident at the ports, but as far as output on the manufacturing side as well. 
then you take into consideration that this increased demand, material shortages, production capacities down. It's driving uh, the pricing that we're seeing and the wage pressure that we're seeing today. It's a, a serious problem. Uh, I was uh, away this past week and I was up and doing some traveling in New England and stopped at a, uh, a McDonald's and they had a sign out on the road now hiring 14 and 15 year olds. It's been a while since you've seen that kind of uh, advertising for new labor. Oh, definitely. I, I've seen it with retail coffee shops posting signs saying we're going to close at five o'clock today because we can't staff in the evening. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a real problem um, and not getting better. As you know, close to your uh, world there, Lou, uh, we have challenges with metals still ongoing. Aluminum, steel, copper, uh, definitely driving prices. I know the topic of conversation is whether or not this inflation is transitory. And we have to really define what that really means. As the Federal Reserve says, um, it's because of the mitigating circumstances we have surrounding the pandemic and all the associated things we've been talking about with capacity constraints and labor resources, it's driving the, the pricing power that we see out there and the consumer's appetite, they're willing to pay for it. You know, think back to last year, we had this conversation on the show about, yes, as prices increase, people still want it, they're going to pay for it. Um, there's still a strong, strong buying that's happening on not only the consumer side, but the commercial side as well. The, uh, the container story in terms of shipping, uh, 18 months ago, a container cost uh, $4,000 roughly, and now it's $20,000 and they don't, and you can't buy one. Right, they used to make houses out of all the leftover ones. <laughs> they still are actually, they're making them into a quarter of a million dollar uh, new type of mansion. Wow. Multi-level. <laughs> I don't, I don't think you'll see any of those in Jersey, though. Probably not. <laughs> Anthony, your respondents are expressing considerable pain. Uh, it, what's the percentage of comments around the supply chain? It, it, it's got to be very high. Well, there's a common thread. Uh, it, it's so interesting that to see from all different 18 industries uh, that comprise this sector, and it's very eclectic uh, from uh, professional scientific technical services, information. Uh, we have uh, food service accommodations, healthcare social assistance. It's a wide gambit of different industries, yet they're all saying the same thing. They're all saying that they have challenges replenishing their inventories, long lead times, long cycle time transportation logistics issues, material shortages. We've been talking about all of this. The big thing on the employment side in this labor intensive sector is that they cannot replenish workers as well. They, uh, the, if you look at the employees out there now, they have choices. They are in you know, demand, they're in charge, they're selecting what industries they want to work in. And with the, uh, pandemic and customer facing positions being the most at risk, that was also an impediment. People didn't want to be in those type of jobs. Uh, service personnel in restaurants and uh, all that hospitality arena is struggling as well as retail. 
so anybody that really wants to work can, and they have their choice. And when people are moving from one industry to the other, it's tough to backfill on the void they left behind. Uh, one of the phenomena that we've run across also is the fact that not only is this uh, the period of the great resignation, where people are leaving jobs because they feel they have other choices, they're also uh, record setting, creating and opening new businesses. And that's become a phenomena of this year. Uh, of course, 90% of them will go out of business before the end of 2023, and they'll be back looking for jobs. So we may see that whole thing turn around by the end of next year. Well, it would be nice because I think that it was, I was reading somewhere a few weeks back that there are about 7 million workers that are unaccounted for right now. And they could exactly. be in those gray markets that you're talking about. Exactly, exactly. The other yeah. challenge is now people are reluctant to come into the office. You know, we've had this conversation in the past, Lou, you, you were going into the office every day. I had staff on a rotational basis. They, they got accustomed to not having to deal with traffic and sitting at home and all kinds of things. So it's been real challenge getting people to come back uh, full time. I will say this about uh, All Metals and Forge Group, my other company. Uh, we set up a uh, business continuity plan about five, six years ago in case of something that has ha happened this past year. And uh, frankly, actually, we had a staff meeting this morning about how good it's working. Uh, and I'm not, I was not pro working remotely, but I don't work remotely. I'm, I'm in the office at the, at the plant and uh, the, but it's working and uh, everyone's doing a great job. And frankly, I think they actually put in more than eight hours a day, some of them. Because I, yeah. can, see, I can see when emails are going out at around midnight. So, you know, I know something's <laughs> Yeah, it's tough to, um, there is a certain type of person that can really be productive working from home. Others can get distracted by so many different things. There's actually, as we know, it's been out for quite some time. There's software that tracks productivity on remote workers and Absolutely. measures everything from login to keystrokes to whether they're on social media versus uh, doing actual work. That's correct. That is correct. Uh, Tim is one of those uh, homebodied, love to work at home type of guy. Yeah, I'm not a fan of uh, commuting to work, flying a desk, uh, enclosed or encased in a cubicle, uh, I'm, I'm claustrophobic when it comes to cubicles, so <laughs> I stay out of that arena. Anthony, I'm just curious what this very high reading this month translates to in terms of GDP, because what we've experienced is in the third quarter, a 2.0 GDP. They're talking about it coming back in the fourth quarter uh, to maybe 4.5 or something in that range. What does your number translate into? Because it's really high. Well, on an annualized basis, yes, it translates to a 6.1 GDP. Oh, geez. That's almost <laughs> like the inflated numbers we hear from China. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, no doubt. So with all of this going on in terms of the pandemic, which we hope is now easing and hopefully it will drift out to sea and not return. 
Are there any other headwinds that can trip us up? I mean, at some point is pricing going to, as, as you would learn in a marketing 101 course, hit that point where people go, yeah, I can't afford it. I'm not going to buy it. We've seen consumer confidence in some of the past months kind of uh, just uh, diminish a little bit, but not much. And I think as since we've had all this uh, infusion of stimulus funds into the economy, uh, both on the uh, personal side as well as on the commercial side, it's kept the appetite strong. And uh, to your point, I don't know when that will be when the customer says, hey, enough is enough. But right now, it doesn't seem to be the case with demand exceeding supply. Uh, people tend to always want what they can't get. And so they, it, it's a psyche thing, right? So they're out there and they want to spend and uh, they're, they're bringing it in and it's causing uh, uh, this kind of uh, environment that we're seeing right now in the economy. I feel that, uh, and again, I don't have the crystal ball. I think we'll know better when the semi-annual forecast comes out in December. Initially, our, our respondents were saying they thought that we would see some easing in pricing maybe in Q1, Q2 of 2022. I feel we're going to be way past that third, fourth quarter of 2022, um, hopefully sooner rather than later. I think that um, my, my projection is as we hit the summer months of 2022, when we normally have that little bit of a uh, uh, Wayne and the uh, uh, number of orders going through as people are on vacation and whatnot. I think that might be the time period. So if it does come to fruition, you can say, oh, wow, he knew what he was talking about. If not, I didn't say it. <laughs> One thing that we didn't, we haven't really talked about, and I think it, it falls into this sector of conversation, and that is uh, about the COVID uh, pandemic and so on, and where it's at and where it's going. And uh, uh, are we going to see a, uh, a 4.2 uh, COVID uh, virus, which they say is now in eight states. Uh, so is this going to go away? Are we going to just have different variations of uh, supply chain uh, disruption as it flows with what's going on with the uh, pandemic? Well, great question, but keep in mind, we're actually seeing uh, hospitalizations and cases diminishing in some of the very large states, especially here in California, which was, you know, a hotbed of the pandemic initially, and now it's uh, in one of the top states as far as uh, cases diminishing, right? So uh, we'll have to see. We have all these variants that have come out, Right now, it seems to be that um, the vaccine, and not to take a position one way or the other, but I think that with the vaccine being widely distributed and now the booster shots coming into play, it seems to help people weather these variants better than if they weren't vaccinated. And I think that will also help um, the employment situation as far as and business activity and everything else. So I don't believe unless something, another type of pandemic comes out or some other geopolitical situation, I think we're gonna stay on this continued path of growth. Uh, I don't think it's gonna go off the, off the tracks anytime soon, off the rail anytime soon. So 
Um, I think the key thing is we'll see growth, but may not be as strong as what we're seeing like this month or back in July. Well, to continue on your point, is the number structure uh, with regard to the ISM report, is this a, a sustainable activity level that could go on for six months or a year? It's never happened. No, and I don't think it will go that long. I think eventually the demand is going to have to pull back a little bit. Um, again, continued growth. I don't see us ever getting into that contraction territory anytime soon. I just feel that to stay up at this 60 plus level, high 60 level of growth, that is not sustainable. I was surprised like everyone else looking at the, another record uh, this month. I expected uh, to have strong numbers, but not record level numbers. And uh, look, the one thing I like about this, I don't know where these numbers are going to come in each month. It's, uh, I'm surprised like anyone else as I'm going through and reading through the data and, and all the respondents' comments. I find it very interesting uh, to see how things are evolving uh, with all these companies in the respective industries. And so I think, uh, again, not to uh, be redundant, we'll have, we'll have continued growth moving forward, definitely through the balance of this year and into next year. Uh, it's just a matter of all the other variables that come into play is how strong will inflation be What's the employment picture look like? Will there be some easing in the supply chain disruption? These are all the things on the forefront of everyone's mind. Without a doubt. Jim? Yeah, I think we'll learn more about that on Friday when Manufacturing Talk Radio interviews Nancy Laster, who presents for the Institute for Supply Management on the Hospital Purchasing Managers Index Report. And we'll find out what the hospitals are saying about COVID and its impact on their operations. So that will be an interesting report for those of you who want to tune into that. Anthony, I wonder if you could wrap up for our listeners this, uh, this services sector. It's all so good, um, short of a some other unpredictable supply chain gotcha. It appears to be a very demand-driven report at this point. Most definitely. And I've always said that the services sector was more of a demand pull type of environment versus being reliant on inventories that you see in the manufacturing sector. Yet, with this supply chain disruption, we're seeing this uh, attempt to build up inventories, replenish inventories in the services sector to no avail at this point in time. And that was one of the uh, uh, comments, or not one, but many of the comments that came from the respondents this month is that, again, they were trying to increase that order quantity and frequency to offset the lagging uh, deliveries, the slowing deliveries, and the lengthened cycle time uh, in this uh, sector, as well as we know it going on in the manufacturing side. Putting that all aside, supply chain disruption, capacity constraints, labor resource issues, material shortages, still a very strong economy, demand exceeding supply. We're seeing wage pressure, pressure price pressure. Uh, again, the economy is good. It's, it's going very well. 6.1 GDP, uh, when you look at this on an annualized basis, as we spoke about earlier, uh, it's just, I take this over 
uh, adversely being in a contraction uh, uh, area. And this is, uh, this is a good problem to have right now. When was the last time we had a GDP at 6% or plus? I don't know if I was around. Uh, yeah, really. And, and <laughs> I've been around a long time. And I, you know, that's like the wish number, but we always fall short of it. So that's really amazing if that does happen. Uh, I would like to mention one point uh, before we part shortly. Uh, for the, those who have joined us late in the show, uh, I want to just restate about marinetraffic.com, uh, which is a, a website uh, that shows a global animation of the world and all the ships that are on water and in the canals, Panama, Suez, LA, and everything is just one great big mess. So in spite of everything that you're saying, and I love the good words, but look what's happening in the ocean. <laughs> when the lights went on, right? Yeah. <laughs> I also want to mention to our viewers and listeners that through one of our affiliate sister operations, we publish a e-zine, a digital magazine called Manufacturing Outlook, which when it comes out in a couple of weeks is going to talk about this labor strife and all of the things that are so uncertain in our economy that while it's good, Anthony, we're all kind of on pins and needles going, gosh, it, it looks good, it reads good, but I'm not sure it feels good. And it's not quacking. <laughs> yes, are we on the precipice? You know, are we on the edge? That's right. Well, Anthony, thanks for joining us and sharing this services sector report. It is a critical piece of information that our listeners and viewers need. We appreciate you being here from the Institute for Supply Management, as always. Well, thank you for having me on the show. Thank you, Anthony. See you next month. Take care. And we'll be talking with Anthony again soon. Again, a reminder on Friday, we're going to talk about the Hospital Purchasing Managers Index Report. And if you would like to actually see the reports themselves, we encourage you to go to ifmworld.org where you can find them. And while you're surfing the web, stop by jacketmediaco.com where you will find this podcast and all of the other podcasts that we produce. And as always, thank you for listening to this live broadcast of Manufacturing Talk Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.